0: Hello everyone! Welcome to Digital Marketing Gyan, the podcast where we keep on sharing some of the informative tools, techniques, case studies, and latest updates in digital marketing domain. I am your host Prince Kumar, and we have Matt Ross, our guest for today, who will be sharing important steps for an effective email marketing campaign. Matt is the host of Digital Marketing Masters podcast and co-host of the Business Builder Throwdown Live. He is the co-founder of Hook SEO, Hook DM, and Hook DM Canada. Matt started out his business book career by crowdfunding his first book, Crush SEO, and followed that up with two Amazon category bestsellers. Start saying yes, and flatting the hamster wheel. is also the author of Inbox Mastery, an email marketing course. Hi Matt, welcome to our show.
1: Hi, great to be on the show. Thanks for having me on.
0: So Matt, uh, can you just share about the your journey so far from being co-founder of three digital marketing agencies and also being the Amazon best-selling author?
1: Sure. So uh, I I would say that the marketing agency journey actually started more than 20 years ago. Um, I was working in the late 90s in Western Canada um, for a company uh, called Shaw Communications that did uh, internet and television services. And we started doing web design internally for the company there. And then people found out I could do that work and wanted websites for their companies, so I started doing that on the side. Uh, In 2000, uh, actually technically January 1st of 2001, I moved to the United States to work for Intel as a contractor. And then I also worked for several other large companies in the United States. I used to work for Nike Sports Marketing um, and some other large businesses there. And, but I always had the company on the side that I was doing web design and some SEO work and things like that. And then in 2010, um, I pretty much went full time with the company myself as a, as a freelancer. Uh, but I partnered with my current business partner on a lot of projects. And in 2014, we merged our companies into hook digital marketing and, uh, Hook SEO is our our original company there. It's now Hook Digital Marketing is the parent company. And we have an office in Costa Rica where my business partner lives. We have an office in Oregon in the United States. And I opened Hook DM in Nova Scotia, Canada, which is where I live now. And along the way, all the kind of tips and tricks we learned from marketing for all these different types of businesses Uh, We started to want to document those things, and uh, so we brought out the first book about local search optimization in 2015, and then the other two books, Start Saying Yes and Flattening the Hamster Wheel, are all the lessons we learned about being business owners. So it's how to Uh, create opportunity by saying yes to things is the idea behind start saying yes and also positive messaging in your business and then flattening the hamster wheel is about getting off that hamster wheel where you kind of feel like your business is going in circles and it's not growing anymore and how to get past that and grow it again
0: amazing amazing Sandy. that so coming to today's topic so can you brief the audience about the basic of email marketing, like what is email marketing? And also, is it effective compared to other other digital marketing methods?
1: Yes. So email marketing is basically the idea that you build a list of contact information of emails of potential clients or clients, um, generally both. And then you want to send regular marketing messages to them by email. That's the very basic of it. The idea is to keep your business top of mind, inform people of what you're doing that they you know, should pay attention to and to make sure that they're aware of your products and services and the benefits that those have and talking about if it's effective or not, Um, I know that many parts of the of the world uh, were affected by the COVID pandemic in different ways and at different times, but one thing that seems to be pretty consistent is that when businesses had to lock down or they had to go to like curbside delivery or delivery things like that, they didn't have people walking in the door anymore. They suddenly realized they didn't have another way to communicate with their people. And so what happened is anyone who had an email marketing list started to use their list and email marketing exploded again. It was up in some categories as much as four or five hundred percent. And also A lot of businesses went to places like Facebook or other social media accounts that they may or may not have been using very well in the past and found that they can't effectively reach their audience with those tools anymore, Uh, especially not for free, right? So the average reach of a Facebook business page, at least in the United States, for companies was 0.17% of the audience. It was an insanely low amount. And you're looking at an average in email lists of 16%. So it's hundreds if not a thousand percent more effective at reaching people than using something like Facebook, you know, organically. So there is a cost to it. I mean, you have an email host provider that you would pay, right? Someone like MailChimp or SendFox or Drip or, you know, ActiveCampaign. There's tons of them. Um, But also there's a time factor. And I think what really, really makes it effective is the use of the time is more effective. So companies are already spending the time to come up with messages to put out on social media and topics and stories and images and all these things to put out social media every week and if they spent half that time on email marketing they would be at least twice as effective
0: definitely definitely and it has been one of the most popular digital marketing technique we can say which has been the cost roi Uh, from the beginning only and that's what I think so is making email marketing even most adaptive today also absolutely so coming to now the email marketing so what are the different tools or the platforms that you prefer if anyone have to set up this email marketing campaign so what are the tools that you think that you have uh, tested and that you would recommend
1: so that's a really good question Because how people usually select an email marketing tool is they ask someone else they know, what do you use? And then they use that because they don't know what the options are. They don't know what they do, right? They they don't have a good understanding of email marketing tools. And what you need to do is select the right tool for the job, just like you would do with any other tool, right? But for some reason, with email marketing tools, People don't do any research on them. They just pick whichever one their buddy is using. Right. And what you need to do is have a tool that matches the business model that you have. So for our service based business that we have, all I want to do is write information and stories and marketing tips and stuff to people and put in a photo here and there. I don't need a whole bunch of bells and whistles. I don't need integrations with Shopify or any of these kind of things. So I use a tool called SendFox. And SendFox is really easy. You can start using it for free. And if you need to upgrade, it's a one-time cost instead of a subscription.
0: Okay.
1: So it okay. makes it really inexpensive. Definitely. Now another tool that I think people use um, pretty regularly nowadays is called mailchimp and mailchimp is excellent at integrating with most um, e-commerce platforms uh, they don't integrate directly with shopify but there is a plugin you can get that will integrate it with shopify and If you've got maybe a few hundred SKUs in your store, you know, a few hundred products, MailChimp is gonna give you the automation tools that you need. So you'll be able to send email to people, but then you can also set up things like abandoned cart emails. So if somebody puts things in their shopping cart, but doesn't check out, you can get automations based on which products people have been looking at um, or which products people have purchased. Um, A good example would be like if somebody goes to your store and they buy a certain type of bicycle, then you would want to send them emails with accessories that fit that bicycle. So that's kind of an automation of uh, e-commerce product automation you can do. Now, if you have a very large store where you have maybe hundreds or thousands of SKUs, or even tens of thousands of products in there, um, you may want to go to a more powerful tool, and each time, you know, like, SendFox is really inexpensive. Something like, uh, Constant Contact or MailChimp are kind of around the same price, and then, like, the next step up is something like, uh, campaign. um, uh, and then it kind of goes up from there. So there's there's all kinds of tools. Some of them have automation systems. Some of them have built-in CRM systems. Some of them go all the way into things like CRMs plus things like lead scoring and stuff like that. That's your kind of your HubSpot Salesforce level. So there's all kinds of levels. So, but I personally think people overcomplicate their marketing. And I think if you're starting out or you're a small business, you're a freelancer, you know, you're a small service business, you're a local business like a store, then something like SendFox or Mailchimp is going to have every option that you need to get information out to your prospects and for also to allow people to sign up so that you can grow your list.
0: Definitely. Uh, Observe in Indian market, definitely Mailchimp is one of the most preferred uh, tool that we use for email marketing because of its easiness and also the flexibility that you mentioned so now we have understood that what is the best platform that uh, we should be going with then the next question that arises is how we need to plan to grow our email subscriber because that is the thing based on which we will be doing the email marketing campaign so how one can grow their email subscriber list
1: Right, so the best way to grow your subscriber list is to be completely upfront with the person who is potentially going to sign up for your list and tell them how often you're gonna send them email, what you're going to send them and how it benefits them. That's usually the first step. So an example would be on our website, it says, get weekly marketing stories, tactics, and other information uh, to your inbox. So I've told them what they're going to get, and I've told them it's going to come every week, and I'm going to email it to them. There's no download. There's no anything. It's just, here's the information. This is how often you're going to get it, and people sign up for it. Now, you can also have uh, usually what people call gated content or they call it a lead magnet and that is generally something that is a downloadable so it could be a PDF file could be a guide could be a checklist could be maybe um, like a email series that you're gonna send them like a challenge or you know a seven-day course or something it's going to depend on, it's going to be different for different industries. You can do contests, you can do discounts. So there's lots of things. It really depends on what your company does. So an e-commerce company, uh, a really easy way to do it is like get 10% off your first purchase or or whatever that amount is, um, and you'll get a few people to sign up. But the thing is that 10% in a modern marketplace is probably not enough for someone to make a decision to say i want this person to send me email forever right Definitely. so you can either juice up the percentage which costs you more money and that's not what you want to do or you have to have something else to incentivize someone to sign up i like ideas like early access to new products access to clearance sales so on, on the retail side, uh, these are ways that you can get people to sign up that is not a discount, but also incentivizes them to sign up. If your company sells something like makeup, you could have get the, the summer makeup guide or get our lookbook, right? And that's usually where you show images of people wearing fashions or makeup and things like that. So there's lots of other ways that you can... Do retail and e-commerce signups without giving a discount or if you're a service based business, a SaaS company, business business, right, you know, your B2B space. Generally, you're going to want some kind of information that solves a problem for someone. So that could be something like um Like, learn how to make manual timesheets if your company is a company that automates timesheets. Because now you're showing them how to do something, you're getting them to sign up, and then you use the email to teach them how you automate that for them, and then that sells your SaaS product. Does that make sense?
0: Definitely, definitely. So in the starting, you mentioned that we need to upfront the frequency of the emails that we'll be uh, sharing with them. So what do you think is the idle number of frequency so that no one feels that it's being bombarded to them.
1: It's going to really depend on your audience and your product. And I know that's not the answer that most people want to hear, but that's the truth. But also a general rule is if you have something that is a product offering that's used more commonly or more frequently, then weekly is more than enough email. If you are a company that does something like plumbing or you know you're a tradesperson or something, maybe once a month is enough, right? Um, if you're a retail company though, often if you have a large uh, audience, you're gonna be sending two, three, four times a week sometimes. Some of those emails would be segmented so not everyone is getting every email. And when I talk about segmenting, that is splitting your email list into smaller groups based on some factor about them. Um, for example, you would send people who've never purchased from you a different email than someone who's a regular client. That would be a way to segment your list. In some cases, there's reasons to send emails more often. Um, so it's not always consistent year round. I know like in the United States, they have Black Friday. Uh, Amazon does Prime Day. Um, In Canada, the Boxing Day is the big shopping day of the year. And there's like 222 and 111 in different countries and, and stuff where they do shopping days. Those times, you would increase the frequency of the email that you're sending. You can also, if you're having a big sale, like say you're a retail company, and you're gonna have like a three-day sale then instead of just sending once or twice a week you would send you know a couple on the first day and a couple on the second day and a couple on the third day to make sure people know about the three-day sale and going on now and that kind of thing
0: definitely definitely so that means for the normal campaign or if it's a kind of uh, the normal days having one email a week will be good or let's say you can go for two emails in a week but when it's about the offers like if there is kind of any offer that is going on then definitely we can increase our uh, emailing to uh, kind of one each day or around so that uh, they are kind of being made excited about the offer or about the contest that is going on so now we have the complete tool now we have our subscriber now the main question is what are the different steps that we will be working upon to create an effective email marketing campaign. So
1: this is one of the most misunderstood, but most important pieces to email marketing. And it also is the same for things like social media. And that is you want to give people what they want to hear from you, not what you want to tell them. And that is a distinction that needs to be made when you think about your marketing. So you don't say, what do I want to tell everybody? You say, what is it that they are going to care about that I can send to them? And once you can get past that, you're going to find email marketing really easy. Um, I think a lot of people ask stuff like, how long should my email be? And it needs to be as short as it can be to get the point across. And there's no set length. Some of the emails that I send to my list are three or four pages long. And it can never be too long. It can only be too boring. So if it is interesting enough, people will read it no matter how long it is. Now there is going to be a limit, a technical limit in your emails. Depending upon your your email provider, but you'll probably never hit that if you're an e-commerce store And it's you know, you have got a sale on orange shirts this week You don't need to have more than a few sentences, right? In some cases less is more But you want to make sure that What you're saying is going to uh, capture people's attention it's going to keep their attention long enough to read the information, and it's gonna entice them to take the next step. You need to make sure that there is an effective call to action that gets people to take the next step, whether that's going to learn more or going to purchase or you know whatever that next step is. Well, this is actually kind of a combination of things. So the information in the titles, The first like introductory line and the body of the email are going to have an effect on how many of your emails end up in the spam folder versus in the inbox Uh, if it's something like Gmail where they have a promotions folder you know it's not really the spam box but it's not in your inbox either there's all kinds of different things that can happen to your email after it gets delivered but the first thing you need to worry about is deliverability. That means you're not spamming people from your domain, which can get you blacklisted. It means you're not, you know, a lot of like swearing, um, salesy sounding words in your titles and emails and stuff, unless you're you're a company who's selling something regularly. Um, you want to avoid those types of things because that will get you get your emails either not delivered or stuck in the spam folder. The next thing is the title has to be something that will get someone's attention just for them to open it, right? That's the only thing your title is for is to get them to open the email. And then there's a preview line and the preview line is just to help reinforce the title to get them to open that email. And once they get in the email, the first line of the email is just to get them to read the second line of the email. And the second line of the email is to get them to read the rest of it. And so, and finally, when they get to the bottom, you need a strong call to action because the call to action, wants to get them to go from the email to your website or whatever the next step is. So each step is just to get
0: someone to the next step. Got it. Got it. Definitely. These are the very important things that I think. So if we plan effectively, then definitely that will help to create the basic of the email marketing campaign. So uh, you also mentioned about worrying about being blocklisted because I think so this is one of the common problems that uh, we have observed for people who are planning for doing the email marketing campaign. Most of them complain that when they go for this email marketing campaign, what they have observed is their emails are being sent into the spam folder. So what are the effective techniques or what are the ideal practices that you can uh, share so that one can ensure that their emails do not end into that spam folder. So I think the
1: most important thing people need to realize is how spam filtering works. And that is a question that no one ever asks me, but it's probably the most important part, is how does spam filtering actually work? And so on the mail server itself, there will be a piece of software installed and they're all different, but this is generally how they work. They use what's called spam scoring. So when an email comes in, it checks if the domain that the email is from is blacklisted or not and then it's going to say okay does does it is it coming from a person's name or a company's name and if it's from a company's name then we're going to add one point to the spam score and then if the title sounds salesy or misleading like clickbait type title then we're going to add another point to the spam score and if it says to view this in your browser, click here uh, as the first line instead of something to kind of encourage people to read it, that's gonna add another point to the spam score. And as things add up, so does it have a lot of images? Does it have way too many links in it, right? Like more than about six links in it. Does it have um, links that go to domains that are other than the one it was sent from? That's another point on the spam score. And so what happens is these points build up. And then the email provider sets a threshold to say, we if an email comes in and the threshold is say, like on our mail server, it's six. So if it has more than six points on the spam score, it goes to the spam folder instead of the inbox. So what you wanna do is try to minimize the things that will increase that spam score. And those are the things like I just said, it could be really large emails. It could be attachments that maybe are in formats that they don't like, like executables and zip files and things like that. It could be um, lots of salesy language, lots of all caps text. It could be one giant image instead of text in an email. So there's lots of things that can increase the spam score, but kind of those ones that I've run through are, are the basics. If you avoid doing most of those, then you will get in the inbox now there's another thing though if somebody has your email address that you're sending your email marketing from in their contact list that makes them way less likely to be in the spam box also so that means that the best way to not end up in the spam box is to get someone to reply to your marketing email because if they reply most emails will automatically put you in the contact list And that's why when we're starting out doing emails, we'll have what's called a welcome series. That's an uh, email or multiple emails that goes out when somebody signs up for your list. And each of those emails asks someone a question and tells them to reply with the answer to the question. Because if they reply to one of those emails, then our marketing is gonna go straight into their inbox every week instead of being stuck in the spam folder.
0: Definitely, very well said. I think so. These are very uh, crucial points, but definitely, many of the audience are not aware of these or points. And because of that, they keep on doing the email marketing in a wrong way, and that generally leads their mail to the spam folder. So, I think so. If we keep these points into our concentration, then definitely we will be able to go into their main mailbox and try to achieve a better ROI from our campaign. For sure, sure. So now we have taken a brief about how to do an email marketing. Most of the time we have also heard that it's email marketing is all about doing the AB testing because that is where you will be able to understand your audience better and you'll be able to understand their taste of the communication that we are planning. So can you please highlight something about doing this AB testing What are the different options that they can test? their email. So
1: first off, I think most people who are split testing or AB testing in their email marketing are doing it when they don't have enough subscribers to give them a real result. So you need probably, at a minimum, a couple thousand people on your list to do a reasonable split test that's going to give you any kind of result that matters. If you do have that, Most email uh, software, like if you're at kind of that, you know, email or MailChimp, Active Campaign or, or higher in price, they're going to have split testing options. Usually you can split test several ways. So one of those would be the title. That's what most people split test, which title gets people to open the email more often. You can also split test body copy in the email. Um, you can split test images in the email. Uh, another thing also is to remember that you want to split test only one thing at a time. So don't write a whole different email with a different subject line and then you know, then your regular one and split test those two things because then you're not going to know which thing it was that made people take action. Um, If you have a large list, though, say your list is 50,000 people or more, um, you can do split testing in the same day. So what you could do is you could segment that list, take a thousand people, do a split test of, you know, a couple thousand people of the subject line. You'll be able to see which one was open more. And then you could do another couple thousand people and split test the body copy to see which one gets people to open it and, and, and read it more. And then you could split test the call to action with a couple thousand more people and see which one gets people to go to the website and purchase more. And then now that you have the results of those three tests, you send it to the remaining 45,000 people or whoever's on your list. So you can actually split test your way to more sales in the same day.
0: Definitely, definitely being into the email marketing, split testing is something that one should try at least if they have a kind of thousand plus subscribers.
1: Yeah, I think you can split test. So it's not technically an A B split test, but what I like to do is you have a title that you give the email that's inside your email marketing program, and I'll write in it what the email is about. So I'll say, U.S.A. 4th of July sale, 17% off uh, animated GIF header. And so I'll put all this information in and then I can go back later in the year and I can look back and I can say, oh, so all the ones between 17 and 25% off got the most sales or all the ones that had like an animated GIF instead of a photo uh, were the ones that that drove the most actions. And so... You know, you could sort of get a good idea um, by labeling what the emails have in them and then going back and looking at the, the statistics later to see what it is that caused people to take action.
0: Definitely. Definitely. So now coming to the result that you mentioned. So what are the different matrices that one can use to define the success of the email marketing campaign?
1: Yeah, so the email metrics. The number one that I like to use is revenue. So if you're trying to sell something, depending upon the length of your sales cycle, you should be able to see which email caused the revenue. And of course we all want to make money, right? And that's why we're doing email marketing for the most part. So you want to tie your email marketing directly to revenue. And then the second thing you're going to want to look at is the open rate. The open rate tells you how many people clicked on your email. And once you look at open rate, click-through rate is probably the next step, which is how many people clicked a link in your email. Uh, Depending on your mail program, it can tell you which link that they clicked. Um, So you'll want to take into that into account also. Um, But there's also some of them count deliverability, which is important also. Uh, It's only important if your deliverability is low. So if you're getting know, 85% deliverability is is reasonable. Uh, You know, you want it higher than that. But if your deliverability is like down at 60% or lower, you have a serious problem. And that problem is probably a technical problem. And that would be something you'll need to talk to your you know, administrator, your email administrator, or your domain administrator about, uh, unless it's something you do yourself. And that's usually because you need something like an SPF record or DKIM or something set up to get your emails delivered properly. Um, but you only need to do that if you suspect that your deliverability is low. Um, and those are pretty much the things that, that you're gonna wanna look at to see how effective your email marketing is.
0: Very well said. I think so. These points will be very helpful for businesses to understand or to plan before their email marketing that what is the objective that they want to get through this campaign. Right. Now, coming to the last piece of advice that you'd be giving to the email marketers and especially for those who are struggling to get the desired result. So what is the piece of advice that you would give to them to do their email marketing in the proper way?
1: So email marketing is about copywriting. Email marketing is understanding who your client is, what their desires are, what problems do they face? and how you're gonna solve them, and then being able to effectively communicate those things. So a copywriting course may be a good idea if you're having some issues. Um, You may even wanna hire someone to write emails for you. I would sign up for all of your competitors' emails and see what they're talking about, see what kind of structure they have in their writing, what words are they using. Um, It's a good idea um, always in marketing to have a customer avatar. So you want to develop a a persona of a person who is someone who would be a likely person to use your product or service. And then in your email marketing, you write as if you are writing to that person. And that could really help make it simpler to write. Um, What happens is people take off their I'm a person hat And they put on their, I'm a business owner hat. And then they write emails that they wouldn't want to read. And what you need to do is just think about that. Like I said earlier, you want to tell people what they want to hear from you, not what you want to tell them. And those are two different things.
0: Thank you for giving this valuable advice to our audience. So with this, we have come to the end of today's episode. It was Pleasure having you, Matt, and learn about the best practices of implementing email marketing. Thank you so much for taking out your time and looking forward to host you again and gain a lot of insight about email marketing and local SEO from you.
1: Thanks, Prince.
0: I'm excited to be on your show. It's been a fantastic experience.